Bishop and uh, all those that gave me the opportunity this morning to speak. And I feel like the Lord really has something for us today, especially in this crazy hour that we're living in with all kinds of things going on. So we're going to start in Numbers chapter 13. And the title of this is No Fear. And you'll see why in just a minute. Numbers chapter 13, I'm going to read a few scriptures. And Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. That sounds like a positive comment there. We are well able. Let's go. We can take this right now. And then 31 says, But the men that went up with him said, We be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, notice this, is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof, and all the people that, saw, that were in it are men of great stature. These were men of great stature. Verse 33, the next slide. And there, were, and there we saw the giants, the son of Enoch, which came of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight. But then that's the end of chapter 13. And the Bible was written, they didn't have chapters. So you can just keep on reading. And the next verse, in verse chapter 14 says, And all the congregation, they heard that report from the other men that went and they lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night. They were so distraught and upset that they were not going to be able to go into the promised land according to these reports that these guys had given them. And another verse, Psalm chapter 27 and verse one, the Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We know it's been mentioned already this morning, the situation in Ukraine and how people are upending their whole lives. Millions are now leaving Ukraine as refugees. And we know right here, I mean, that's there. You might say, well, that's scary for them, but here in Newark, Ohio, that's not such a, okay, well, I feel bad for them, but what, well, we know that the price of gas is going up. I saw on my way to work, it was like 349 one day, the next day it was 359, the next day it was 369. I was like, oh man, I better fill up even though I don't need it, because it's just going higher and higher. And you've heard reports probably approaching $4 a gallon and some estimates maybe $5 a gallon. And that's, for me, can be a scary thought. I don't know how to budget that much for gas. And then we have the prices at the grocery store. And they keep going up, have you noticed? And then, well, speaking of the grocery store, I don't know if you've experienced this, but I've been several times just for things like cat food. I mean, I understood when COVID all happened and people stocked up on toilet paper. I get that one. But why is there never any cat food? 
We go every time, and sometimes there's one box left, and it's like a blessing. We got our, our cat has food for the next week. All right. And then next time we go, nothing. What cat food? But that's not the only thing. I've gone to the store for many things. Gone, right? And so. You know, those are things in the world at large and what's happening right here in our own families, in our church family. People are struggling. People are going through sicknesses and trials and circumstances, dealing with battles, situations that you've probably never seen personally in your life before. And we've had people dealing with death and and dying and it's a lot going on. It would be real easy to have some fear of the uncertainty of what's coming next. It'd be real easy to be afraid and to allow some fear to creep in to our hearts and minds. (sighs) Brother Shane, this is such a cheery introduction. Please tell us more. But I want you to remember in all of this, no matter what it seems like out there, no no matter how uncertain the future may be to you, God is still in control. He hadn't left his throne. Nobody's taking over his position. He is in control. He's got all power. And there's nothing. He's not sitting up there wringing his hands. Oh, no. Gas is going up. What are we going to do? He knows. And if you need gas, guess what he's going to do? He's going to provide it. Amen? Because he's not going to leave you forsaken. That's the promise in his word. He's still in control. He's not afraid. So why are we? Why do we allow fear and anxiety, nervousness? Why do we allow those things to gain some control and some ground in our spirits when we really say we know who this great God is? If we know him, if he is as great as we say he is, why are we afraid? If you look back at our text, the people of Israel were, God saved them miraculously with the 10 plagues and uh, brought them out of Egypt. And they went through the wilderness for, at this point, a couple of years. And they didn't have water at times, and God provided water. And they didn't have food at times, and God provided food. And then they still complained that they wanted more food. We're sick of manna. And so he gave them quail, and then they got sick of that too. And God provided miraculously for them in the wilderness as they were traveling through. And then finally, after about two years, they made it to the edge of the promised land that God had been telling them all this time, you're going to get to go in and take possession of this promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. So they get there and they're standing on the edge of this promised land. And they say, you know what, let's, let's send in some spies. Let's send in some people to scope out the land and and just give us a report. How good is it really going to be? Let's send some people in and and tell us what what they see. And they did. They took one from every tribe. So 12 men went into the promised land and, and traveled around and the report was amazing. They found a cluster of grapes. They wanted to bring back one cluster of grapes. It was a branch They had to cut it off and then carry it on a staff between two people. It was so big. I mean, I've seen those, you know, those monster grapes before. 
I still can't imagine needing two people to carry one cluster. But that was the promised land that God had promised for the people of Israel that they were going into. They had uh, pomegranates and they had all kinds of figs and things that they brought back with them. And so you get this report from Caleb and I, I imagine I, I have this visual of Caleb, you know, the people just talking excitedly. Everybody's listening to, I mean, they see these grapes coming in and they see all these things that these men are carrying back from the promised land. And, I bet the people were just getting excited and, and talking and can't wait to hear the report and what's going to happen and just emotions are flowing and they're getting all worked up and, and then Caleb stands up and he says, hush, stills the people. I've got something to say. And Caleb stands up and says, let's go. We are ready right now. We are able to go in and take this land that God has promised us. And I bet some of them were like, woo, yeah, let's do it. Emotions were flowing. And right then, I bet Joshua too, I bet Joshua's standing behind on, yeah, preach it, Caleb, let's go. But then right away, the other 10, no, 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 don't listen to him. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, we've got these great grapes, woo. And we've got figs and pomegranates and all these great things, but the people, the people are huge. The land eats up the people in it. It's, it's a scary place. We can't go in it. If we go, we're going to get devoured. We can't go because there are giants in the land. There are things in this land that we can't conquer. And I don't know if it was because their emotions were all running high or if it was a report of 10 men versus two men. I don't know what it was. <laughs> They, they saw manna. They saw water from rocks. They saw the presence of God on the mountain. They built a tabernacle. All of this stuff in those two years. And yet these ten men give a bad report. And it wasn't just, oh, shucks. We, we can't go into the promised land. They wail and cry and throw a fit that, oh, we can't go into the promised land. And this is too scary. And what are we doing here? And they went so far as to say, let's just pick a different guy to lead us. Let's get rid of Moses and we'll pick somebody else. And you know what they said? And I think this probably made God the maddest. Let's go back to Egypt. No, no. God said, I never want you to go back to Egypt. I brought you out. There is never a reason to go back to Egypt. If I brought you out, don't turn around. Don't turn around. Don't go back to what I brought you from. Amen. And they did. They said, let's make us men, leaders, they'll take us back to Egypt because at least we had food there and we weren't afraid of giants. But God didn't like that response. And for that response, he said, fine, you've been wandering for two years. You're going to do another 38. We're going to wait for 40 years until this whole generation, every one of you that wailed and cried, you're not going to get to see it. Your children can We'll let your children come into the promised land, but you're not going to see it because you believe the report of these 10 spies who were afraid of something big and didn't realize they served a God who was much, much bigger. Amen? If we're not careful today, we can allow fear, nervousness, anxiety, just uncertainty to grab root in our heart. It's not wrong to feel it. We're going to feel it. It's wrong to let it take hold. Amen. 
it's wrong to let it become a giant in your life and to keep you from the promises of God that he's established and given you. Amen? And it's easy to do because we, we, are, we said it, all the stuff with gas prices and, and groceries and, and sicknesses and things that we're facing and trials and, and just uncertainty. If you've ever had a medical test, <laughs> you know that that takes a while. What are you supposed to do in the meantime? First of all, just scheduling the first, the first appointment is forever. And then once you get your test done, it's forever before, well, you can have the portal. Anybody have the My Portal on the LMH thing? That's wonderful, except I don't know what they say. It's all in doctorese, and I have to Google it, and then Google makes me more afraid. And we don't have instantaneous answers when it comes to our health, when it comes to any of these things, but we have some very good news. We only need to remember how great our God is. We only have to get our eyes off of our circumstance and onto him. You don't have to forget about it. God didn't ask you to be ignorant. You have trials and tests and things growing on. He knows that. But he wants to be bigger than that thing. Amen? There are ways that we can overcome this fear and anxiety. And next slide, please. If we can remember who God is, and you start to think about what he's done for you and who he is, it's really hard to compare this problem to this God, right? Revelations 1.8 says, I am Alpha and Omega. I started this thing, I'm going to finish it. I started my walk with you, I'm going to end this walk with you. And guess what? I'm going to be with you from beginning to end and everywhere in the middle. Amen? Psalm 27, I started with the first verse, but we'll read the second and third. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell, though an host should encamp against me. Ever feel that way? It's all going against me. Everything's coming against me. My heart shall not fear. The war should rise against me. In this will I be confident. There's a whole psalm, Psalm chapter 121. It's not very long. I'm going to read it. I will lift up my eyes to the hills from whence cometh my help. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. That's who he is. He made heaven and earth. You think his, your trial is stopping him? No, he will not suffer your foot to be moved. That's a promise. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. He's not up there snoozing. I went to a uh, one time for college, I had to go to a, uh, a denomination, uh, a religion that was not my own. A different denomination of Christianity didn't count. I had to go something totally different. So we visited Pittsburgh and went to this Hindu temple and felt very strange as we were there. But while we were there, they, it was the, their God was a rock, and it was just that, a slab of rock and no shape, it didn't look like a person, just, just a stone. And they were singing 
at the end of this whole celebration they had, they were singing, and it, it was beautiful. They closed the curtains, they sang this beautiful song, the people were crying, and, and then you know what they were doing behind the curtains? They were putting pajamas on him because he was getting ready for bed. And it was, it was quite eye-opening. I'm glad I serve a God who doesn't sleep. I don't have to worry about him sleeping on me. And they pulled the curtain back after they were singing songs and tears are crying and they just, just everybody was just so amazed and they had flowers draped around this rock and, and different things and, and literally those were his sleeping clothes and they were, they were so excited to see him be put to bed. Our God doesn't slumber or sleep. No matter your trial, he's working when you're down. He knows what's going on when you can't see. He's in control. The Lord is my keeper. The Lord is my shade upon my right hand. The sun shall not spite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. Hallelujah. This is the God we serve. Next slide. Philippians 4.13. When you go through something, remember, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Ephesians says, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Amen. I couldn't do it against a giant, but he can. So I can stand in his might. Fear thou not, Isaiah said. Fear thou not. Do you know the Bible says in the King James Version, 71 times the phrase fear not. 71 times fear not in the King James Version. That doesn't include extra things like fear thou not. I just looked up fear not. Fear thou not, be not afraid. All those other things are in there too. This one says, fear thou not, for I am with thee. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen thee, yea, I will help thee. Yea, I will uphold thee with the right hand of my righteousness. What shall I fear? Whom shall I fear if this God is on my side? Amen? I have no reason to be afraid because God is in control no matter what we're facing. I'm reminded of that Sunday school song I used to sing. I don't know if you did. My God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing that he cannot do. I see people mouthing it. Yes, my God is so big, so strong, and so mighty. There's nothing too hard for him to do. Amen? And if that's not enough, if knowing who God is, there are a host of other scriptures that go on in the Bible about who God is. Sometimes we forget how God sees us. The people of Israel said we were grasshoppers in their sight. They looked at their circumstance and projected how they saw them. Ever done that before? You get in your head what somebody else is thinking about you? I'd like to say I never have done that before, but it's probably too much, worrying about what other people have thought of me, and probably they didn't think anything like what I thought. But these, the people of Israel said, they see us like grasshoppers. We are grasshoppers in their sight. And how can that not be a self-fulfilling prophecy? 
They said, oh, this is horrible. There are giants and we're grasshoppers to them. But if we can see ourselves the way God sees us, if we can remember not how our circumstances sees us, the enemy is a liar and he's a roaring lion. His job is to get you off track as much as he can, scared, thinking of things that if you can remember how God sees you. Next slide. Matthew 10 says, Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, and one of them shall not fall to the ground without your father? He knows when a sparrow falls to the ground. It didn't even say die. It's just when he gets to the ground. God knows. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. That's what God thinks of you. He cares enough about you to number every strand. I mean, ever brush your hair? <laughs> Look behind? I mean, I don't have, you know, long hair, but I sure have three ladies in my life. <laughs> and there are times I'm halfway through the day, I'm like, what? Reach up, scratch my head, and then like this big, long hair <laughs> was left behind from the brush. And, and you know, like, he knows every time one falls out, he recounts. He knows the very hairs on your head. Fear ye not, therefore. You are of more value than many sparrows. Hallelujah. Luke repeats it, but even the very hairs of your head are counted. And he goes on to say, you are more value than many sparrows. Next slide. Matthew in chapter 7 says it like this. Or what man is there of you whom if his son ask bread, will he give him a stone? Any parents in the house ever... I mean, sometimes you just want to. You ask for gushers one more time. Adley is into uh, mac and cheese. She wants mac and cheese and chips with dip every meal. I'm not kidding. She had it for lunch and she'll want it for dinner again. Mac and cheese and chips with dip. Praise the Lord for craft microwavable. <laughs> Hallelujah. But she'll ask for that and I'm like... We need something. We need some broccoli. We need something healthy in there. You can forget it. In fact, she's so picky. If her dip doesn't come from Aldi's, if you get this little six-year-old dip from Kroger, she'll not eat it. She won't eat it at all. She'll know the difference. I couldn't tell you the difference at all, but she's that picky. And I'll tell you, sometimes it's like, I want to give you something, sneak something in. I try. I'll put apples on our plate or this or that. But if you, if your child asks of you something, would you give them a stone? Or if, you ask, if he asks of you a fish, would you give him a serpent? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more shall your Father, which is in heaven, give good things to them that ask him? That's the God we serve. When my brother-in-law just visited last weekend, and we have a cat. We have a cat that I promised I would never have an indoor cat. And then I had daughters, and then it was impossible not to. What happened was we had two kittens, and they were outside cats. We left them outside in our treehouse, and uh, we have dogs in the neighbor's yard. And the dogs would stand at alert attention every time those kittens were running around. They were hyper-focused, and I never dreamed a cat would take their chances against a dog staring them down. 
But would you know one of those little kittens did just that? Went over into their yard and he was hissing. He knew the dog was mad at him and he kept inching closer. And the dog got him and it was terrible. My daughter watched it. It was a mess. Not something fit for children's eyes to see. This poor cat was mauled by this dog. There was no way I was gonna let that next cat stay outside. She, she wasn't gonna have it. She was petrified the dog was gonna get that cat too. So we brought him inside and he's been living inside. Anyways, long story. To say this, my cat was, uh, whenever people would visit our house would take off, we wouldn't see him. The whole time somebody's visiting, I mean, talk about a scaredy cat. This cat disappeared anytime somebody came over. And my brother-in-law comes over, who's a tall guy, and uh, I, the cat was gone. And we didn't think anything of it, but I guess this is really the first time we had company stay over. I mean, we were hosting them, they were staying with us. And so we didn't see the cat the next day, and we didn't see the cat the next day, and his food wasn't touched, his litter box wasn't used, which that's the thing that gets me the most nervous. And I'm, I'm, now we're, we're scared. Little Adley is, is like she, I just felt impressed to do everything I could. We looked around, we, Reagan, I didn't want to go in. Reagan crawled into the crawl space, looked for the cat. I tried to prep her for what she might find <laughs> in there. And she went in and said the cat wasn't there and uh, did everything I could. We, my brother-in-law even marched the neighborhood. We went around looking for the cat. I saw the neighbor cats, never saw our cat, didn't know what was going on. And then I even printed flyers, missing cat, found a picture, put it on. We went up and down the streets around our neighborhood and put the flyers indoors and stuff. And then I felt relieved. Then I was like, okay, I've done everything I can. If I have to tell him, you know, honey, probably the cat's never coming back. He, he must have got out and just never, he doesn't have claws, so can't defend himself. And we did it all. We sat down just after passing out those flyers, and my brother-in-law looks up at me, he said, did you hear that? Now, Adley does an amazing cat impression. And I heard Ann yell down and say, Adley, stop that. You're tricking us into thinking the cat's here. And she came running from a different room and said, it wasn't me. She was bundled at one point with that flyer of the missing cat on her bed, crying tears, praying that God would bring that cat back. We had prayer. And you know what God did? That cat came crawling out of the crawl space. We went in to look for it. That cat. I don't know how long later, came out of the crawl space, and uh, since my brother-in-law was still there, he went off somewhere else and hid for another 24 hours. <laughs> but we weren't worried then. We knew he was around somewhere. And uh, if God can care about my little six-year-old girl and her cat, God can care about you. And the situation that you face, it's probably much more dire than a missing cat. Amen? Luke chapter 12 and verse 32 says, Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Hallelujah. Isaiah, can a woman forget her child that she should not have compassion on the son in her womb? Yea, they may forget. Maybe a mother out there might forget. But God says, I will not forget you. 
Psalm says, how precious also are thy thoughts unto me, O God, how great is the sum of them. If I should count them, they are more in number than the sand. When I awake, you are still, I am still with thee. Amen. If God cares so much about me, then what giant out there, what circumstance, what situation is he going to, I don't need to be afraid. God is in control. And sometimes it's just in how you think of the situation. Sometimes it's just what's going on in your mind. Your thoughts have a great influence over your emotions. They're probably connected to a point where it's hard to separate them. What goes into your mind affects how you feel. What you're thinking about affects how, you, how your emotions are going. And so if we can start to think about God, watch what the Bible says. Next slide. If you can put God in your mind, Psalm 119, 165, great peace have they which love thy law. If you can think about his word, the Bible says great peace do you have. Doesn't mean that the storm is over. Doesn't mean that the giant's gone, but you're thinking about him and you can have peace. Isaiah says that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusts in thee. First Peter, whom having not seen ye love, in whom though now you see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable. You're facing a storm, and yet somehow inside, in the deepest part of you, there's joy unspeakable and full of glory. It might not be a laughing matter, but you've got the Holy Ghost dwelling inside you, and joy unspeakable and full of glory. Hallelujah. Next slide. And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, I should be petrified. This thing that I'm facing should bring me to my knees in fear. But this peace that God gives, it passes all understanding. You've heard testimonies from many saints say, oh, somebody stopped me and say, I don't know how you can be going through all this and you just seem so peaceful. You have such a peace about you. Ever had somebody say that or hear somebody's testimony? That's because I've got this peace that passes understanding. Amen. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. And the Bible says that you can control your thoughts. Well, I'm going through this. How can I control the things that are going through my head? And the Bible says, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of God. When you notice, you might not feel it right away, but once you recognize, okay, I'm in a pity party here. All right, I'm going through it and I'm, I'm getting a little fearful, I'm getting afraid. I bind that thought in the name of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to release that peace. Remind me who you are again. I'm fearful right now, I'm going through it. This, is, this trial is here, but remind me, Lord, I take this thought, I cast it away because it's not who you are. If I remember who you are, then what shall I fear? And we can replace those thoughts. It says in Philippians, finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtues and if there be any praise, think on these things. 
if you have to change your environment, if you're alone and you just can't break the cycle of the thoughts, call somebody, get out of the house, turn the radio on, put on some music that's glorifying Jesus because you just gotta break the cycle that's getting in here, amen? What does it mean? This is more than emotion. I'm not talking about being fearful. I'm saying that the peace of God can settle in your heart. And though circumstances are happening, though trials are going on, you can have in here a peace that passes understanding. And there's one final point. We must keep our eyes on him. And how do we do that? We've done it already today. If we can worship God, by definition, you can't worship him and say, you're good, you're holy, how great is our God? How... We can't do that and say, but so is this monster that I'm facing. You can't worship God and be fearful. If you're worshiping God, this has to go out of the picture. By definition, you can't worship both of them. If you're worshiping both of them, you're really worshiping neither of them. You've got to focus on the one true God. When you're worshiping God, it's real hard to focus on your circumstances. It doesn't take long before your foot gets to tapping. Doesn't take long before your hands get to, mm-hmm. Because God has been good to me. He is worthy of my highest praise. When you're singing about how good God is, how great he is, we sing our song where I am the Lord, I'm the almighty God, I am the one for whom nothing is too hard. When you start singing that, how can you be fearful anymore? Hallelujah. He is the one. We must magnify him. Psalms 34, 3. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. We sing it. Oh, magnify the Lord, for he is worthy to be magnified. What do you mean? Make him bigger in your head. He's already big. But in your head, make him bigger than your problem. Magnify the Lord. Make him bigger. Eventually, your praise is going to make him bigger in your mind and in your heart than your problem. And I'm going to close with this story. Shirley Caesar recorded a song, and you, you may have heard it. If you know it, it's really not a song so much. She kind of narrates a story. And I'm just going to tell the story. You can listen to it. I've, I've listened to it before on the radio. I've looked it up on YouTube. You can, you can listen to it. She fantastic job. I won't do it like she does it. But the chances are good that if you hear this story, you're going to be, oh yeah, because we're apostolic in here. We're Pentecostal. We go to a church where we believe in raising our hands when we feel it. Because the emotions of the world are great. I better counter that with some emotional experience to my God. I, I can wave my hands. I can clap. I can dance. I can sing. Amen. She says, she tells a story of old Shouting John. She says, old Shouting John went to a church where they didn't believe in dancing and singing, speaking in tongues. He went to a church and he sat down and, and old Shouting John heard them start singing about how good God was. And it didn't take long before his 
arms got to going and his feet got to going and and the deacons came and they said no 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 we don't we don't do that here we don't we don't that's out of order we don't do that here and he couldn't help it God's been so good so he wave his hands and so they'd hold one hand down and his other hand went up and they hold the other hand down and his legs started shaking and and they said, no, no, we can't have this. This went on for some time. And then finally the deacons got together and said, we need to go to his house. We need to tell him. You can't, you can't worship God like that. You be still and see the salvation. We, we don't worship God like this. And so those deacons drove up to his property and they drove down this long driveway and they found his house. And then they went around his house and they found old Shouting John behind his mule plowing. And as he's plowing, he sees the deacons come up in their cars, and so he stops, and they come over, and he says, Deacons, brother deacons, I know why you're here. You're going to tell me I can't shout like that in church. You're going to tell me I can't wave my hands in church and move my feet in church. I can't worship God in church. And they said, Shouting John, that's just out of order. You can't behave that way. If you're going to keep behaving that way, well, you just probably should find a different church. And he said, I want you to know something. Did you see that long drive you had to come up here? All that property, God gave me that property. You're telling me to sit still and look how God has blessed me. I'm 86 years old, Shouting John said, and I've got children and I've got grandchildren. God gave me those children and those grandchildren. And he said, I've got trials and problems too, but I'm 86 years old and I'm still here. God has given me this life. And he said, in fact, hold my mule. I'm going to shout right now. That's what this is all about. It doesn't matter the situation, the trial, the temptation, whatever it is that you're going through, there's nothing too big for our God. Would you stand? I want to be like old Shouting John. My testimony may not be the same. I don't know what trials God has for me coming down the pike. I'm not going to borrow trouble because, you know, there's a spot in my lung. Who cares? God's in control. Now, I'm not going to be ignorant. I'm watching it. I'm going to the doctor. We're doing what we need to do. But I'm not going to let it rule my life. You know why? Because he's going to keep it. He's going to take it away. Or maybe it is the thing that brings me home. But, oh death, where is thy sting? I get to worship the God, the King of kings, and the Lord of lords. There is no fear in the presence of God. It does not belong when he is here. Would you come to the front and respond to the Lord? No matter what you're facing, no matter what trial, God is able to see you through. Hallelujah.